Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. everybody it is i william powell the king of dc media himself welcome to another episode of the inside acting radio show the inside acting radio show is now available on itunes go to your itunes interface and go to podcasts society and culture personal journals inside acting or simply search inside acting you can follow me at twitter at forward slash inside underbar acting as well. You can see me on stage if you live in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm in a Raisin in the Sun at Greenbelt Arts Center. For tickets, go to www.greenbeltartscenter.org. Tonight's guest is Larry Flash Jenkins, who played in many hit movies such as Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and my all-time favorite comedy, Fletch, which came out 30 years ago this month and will be re-released in all studio movie grill theaters across the USA May 31st. Now, Larry is also a man of the stage and a producer as well. But before we get to Larry, I've got a few announcements to make. Got a show or an audition you want to get the word out on? Advertise on this show. Email me at william400 at yahoo.com, subject line radio ad. Are you a screenwriter or a playwright? Do you need a table read of your work performed? You can have your table read performed on this very show. You can go up to two hours and you'll 
Have your own copy of the table read in MP3 format. And you can get all of this for the great price of $30 for the first hour and $25 for the second hour. To book a table read show, write me at William 400 at yahoo.com, subject line table read. Or contact me on Facebook at handle. Uh, forward slash William dot T dot Pal. So I see my man, Larry Flash Jenkins, a.k.a. the King of Gospel, is on the line. Let me bring him on in. Hey, Larry, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Man, I am blessed and highly favored, man. Glad I'm right. so glad to come on the I show. Like Thanks for coming on the show, man. No problem, man. I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's the 30th anniversary of Fletch. So what what festivities are you involved in? Well, I'm not really involved in the festivities. I have a a theatrical deal with um, a couple of uh, groups that deal with theatrical distribution of feature films that I'm a part of or either I make as a writer, producer, director. Um, I played Gummy and Fletch, so this was an opportunity because Fletch was made in 1985, so this is 30th anniversary. Um, I talked to Chevy and George Witt and some of the guys, and they thought it was a good thing to go forward with it, and the theater chain thought it was a great idea to start off at Channel 14 and just have an anniversary for this film first on May 29th in Chicago for one week, uh, May 29th through June 3rd, and then we will uh, uh, piggyback that with uh, Hustle and Flow and Cooley High as well. That's great, man. That, that's a great combination. Of, I mean, the, the Cooley High that was a, that was a great film. That's an awesome film. Yeah, that was a great film, and um, it, it uh, this is its 40th anniversary. It was made 1975, June 25th to be exact. We're going to run it June 26th for one week there at Channel 14. And then from there, July 24th, it'll be Hustle and Flow with this 10-year uh, anniversary. Great, man. It's all about anniversaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was something I uh, I came up with, and I talked to Paramount, who owns the rights to um, Hustle and Flow, and I talked to Universal, who owns the rights to to the movie Fletch, and then I talked to the rights holder of Cooley High as well. So I just thought it was a great thing because those are three really classic films with different time zones uh, when they uh, when they debuted, and and they were tremendous films and cult, and they still have cult followings to this day. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. How did you get cast in Fletch? Um, yeah, it was nineteen. Um, 85, and I was on a series called Finders of Lost Love, and it was a very popular show that starred me and Tony Franciosa, Deborah Dare, and Ann Jeffries. It was just four four regulars on the show, and um, they had, um, had seen me on that in The White Shadow and some other series I did before uh, before this. Um, and they contacted me, the casting director contacted, I think it was uh, uh, Patricia Mock had contacted my agent manager and said, we want to read Flash, Michael Ritchie does, the late Michael Ritchie who directed it, wanted me to come in. 
and um, and Peter Douglas, Michael Douglas' brother, was one of the producers, and Alan Griezmann, and they just and they liked my work, and and I got hired right away, and and um, you know, and I created the character Gummy, and it went on to be, um, you know, I have a million followers of that character alone, um, you know, from uh, Fletch, very very popular character, very popular movie. Yeah, it's uh, one of my all-time favorites. I remember in the kind of the mid-'80s on cable, man, that movie, that one, and the other one Chevy played in National Lampoon's uh, Vacation. Yeah, National that. Lampoon's, yes, correct. Yeah, and I'm a, I was a journalism major, too, in the 80s, so it's like, <laughs> Fletch was my man. I was like, God, nice. I wore that movie out. I wore that movie out. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Wow, yeah. man. So tell yeah. me about uh, Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Uh, did that help you get more Yeah, work? you know what? I have a great story about Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller was in 1996. I mean, 1986. And um, yeah. it was it was going to be shot in Chicago, which it was. But I had a choice to do another film, but it was going to be shot in Oregon. And um, I, had to, I had to decide if I was going to go to Oregon and shoot a bigger role in a movie, or 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 be in a great film directed by John Hughes, who was very popular and hot from the movie Home Alone and movies like that, and 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 uh, Sixteen Candles and so forth. So I decided, you know, to be in Chicago around my mom and my buddies, and go shooting in Chicago. And it was supposed to be two stories in the beginning. Uh, John Hughes had personally created this character for me. I didn't read for it or anything. He just outright cast me for it. So I, uh, me and Richard Edson, we were supposed to have two stories. We were supposed to be running up the miles with the car, and we well, we was out there in Chicago for for over a month. And then uh, the other story was going on with Matthew Broderick and his crew, uh, Ditch and School. And so um, Paramount, when the movie was done, it was just too long. It was a great movie, but they just felt felt it was too long and our characters was too distracting from the from the kids who was ditching school so um, at the screening he mentioned that to me and Richard and said he had to cut us out pretty much and he kept us in like you know three or four scenes but they were real real quick scenes yeah yeah that's that's another another cult movie that's just uh you know from the 80s man it's like uh wow you get a lot of followers based on that one too yeah, we got a lot of followers and stuff on that, and and uh, what people don't realize about us actors and stuff, you know, who do a lot of starring roles or co-starring roles, whatever. Our residuals are just, uh, just wonderful, even even today, you know, you know, thirty, thirty, forty years later, you know, because of the popularity of the movie, you know, and um, and and in residuals we get paid winter, summer, spring, and fall, so we get paid four times a year for any. Anything we do, whether it's TV shows, films, whatever. That's sweet. That's that's really great. I mean, you hear people complain about being typecast and all this stuff. It's like, oh, man, come on. There's <laughs> <laughs> money coming in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You exactly. Do. Well, you know, I was typecast for many, many years there in the late 70s through the through the early 80s as being a, you know, great athlete. Uh, they, uh, they was a fabulous actor and stuff, and they knew they could count on me, you know, to play uh, to play baseball or, you know, running track or football or base, baseball, basketball. It was funny. I did a pilot in New Orleans 
um, right after the White Shadow was canceled, and um, and it starred Gil Gerard. Universal did it. It starred Gil Gerard. I played this All-American quarterback, and my two wide receivers was there was Michael T. Williamson and Keenan Ivory Waynes. So wow. we just had a ball on on something like that, you know, down there in, in New Orleans and stuff around Bourbon Street, and and we just had a ball. I really, really remember that show, and it was and it was a and it, and it was a lot of fun doing that show. A lot of fun. Yeah, so tell me more about Wardell Stone. How'd you get that gig? Yeah, Wardell Stone on the White Shadow. You know, that was um Lori Openen was was just one of the greatest casting directors back then and and she just had a feel for for what uh, Bruce Paltrow, that's one of Paltrow's dad, he was the exec producer of the show. He created it along with Ken Howard who played Coach Reeves. So they had, had me in the previous year um, in a guest shot, and and uh, Lori and Lori told them about me because they wanted to upgrade and graduate some of the guys. And this time they wanted to bring in better looking guys and less thuggish looking and and just more uh, more all American. So so I was one of the first ones they brought in, and um, you know what the funny part about it was after after I read I t- I told Bruce Potter, I said Bruce you know you got a lot of guys out there sitting around waiting for an audition I mean uh, do you want me to go out there and tell them they're wasting their time or what you want me to do and he just thought it was hysterical he told me hold on he called he called uh, two of his big writers at um, at the time in and he told them uh, to have a seat. And he just interviewed me and just wanted me to just be me, and I just had him in stitches and stuff, and that's how the character was created. And and they just started featuring me in a lot of the, uh, you know, class clown situations and and things like that. And it was and it was and it was a fun show, obviously, because we get to play basketball all day every day, and you know, and relive our high school, you know. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, one of the great parts also was this time they wanted to make sure we all could play basketball. So um, I had to audition and showed him I could play ball, and I and I still remember not missing a shot. And and at the first day of filming, Bruce Paul just so said, "God damn it, you didn't miss a shot at audition. Hit, start hitting these shots. Why are you missing now? You nervous?" I said, "No, I ain't nervous." So then um, after after that, after um, I think I told him I was just warming up. I said, "Relax." So then I started hitting all my shots and things like that. See, see, when you're doing a, a TV show, an hour show, you you know everything moves so fast. You don't have time to sit around and warm up and do a layup line. You right. Know, you know they say, okay, we're ready to shoot. So all of yep. automatically your shot got to be ready. So yep. I had to warm up. I told them. I said I always got to warm up first. I said give me five minutes to warm up. I'm good. And they always gave me five minutes after that. That's good because a lot of time I know TV, you only get like maybe one, maybe two takes. But let's go back. Let's rewind what you just said about auditions. I mean, auditions can be nerve-wracking enough. So you're telling me you went in an audition and actually had to play basketball too. I mean, yeah, I had to audition go, for basketball. Oh, and, and you know, yeah. the problem is with a lot of people, they don't know this. After you go in and read uh, for the producer and them, uh, they have yeah. you come back. Uh, for for one more time, because this is a series regular, right? So I mean, it's a big deal. So after you That's come back and deal. read another time for them and sit down with the writers and everything, 
and they want to hear about your character, how you are and stuff as a person, what you see about the character, then you got to go to the network for, for network approval where there's about 15, 15 guys smoking cigars behind a desk and they're not blinking an eye and they're not smiling, they're not doing anything. They want to just see who who are you, where you're supposed to get network approval for us uh, based on Bruce Paltrow and the casting director. So uh, when I went up there, uh, it was me and Stoney Jackson and Art Holiday and Wolf Perry and da 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 John Laughlin. But um, I didn't have my sides, and I and I told Lori, I said, Lori, I don't have my sides. Well, she said, Well, I don't have no sides, so are you? You well, you're just going to go in there and wing it. And I said, Wing it. And she said, Well, <laughs> well, don't you remember what you auditioned? I said, Well, well, can I see something? And and, and she said, I don't have anything to show you. You do you don't have. Anything? I said, No, I don't. So I did, I went in there, and the casting director Lori Lori had the sides, and she was just testing me. And she and, and we went in there, and she started reading the lines, and I just remembered everything just like that. Just like everything she said, I just remembered all my lines just like that. It was just one of those things that just uh, worked out for me because anybody else, uh, they probably they probably would have fell on their face because you got 15 network approval. You know, this is a big, hot TV series at the time. Um you know, it, it, it was a big deal, and it, and it just worked out for me. You're blessed because that's like you say, anybody else was just falling on their face. That's yeah, <laughs> that's amazing, man, amazing. So now, do you think that uh, comedy is your strength? You know, comedy, comedy to me is very easy, but I love drama. You know, um, I love the idea of crying and making people sad and. And just getting in those moments, I um, I love I love that too. I think comedy is much more easier for me to do, obviously. Um, but it's but it, but it's a great challenge, you know, to create a character that really gets gets deep down, um, down and dirty um, inside a character. And that's one of the things I liked a lot, a lot about how they wrote wrote some of the episodes about me. They didn't have me be a class clown all the time and. And they had me with feelings and emotions and different things like that, and that was the beauty of the White Shadow because it was really before its time, you know. And some of some of the great black actors that grew up, you know, in my era era was on that show, you know. So oh, we just yeah, yeah we just yeah. really really enjoyed ourselves, and and we really learned. Bruce Paltrow made a made made a point that everybody learns learns if you want to. That is, uh, learn, we'll learn about the directing part because he said acting, it, um, it'll come and go. You'll go long periods and long stretches without acting. and But if you just learn, go go to production meetings and sit down and see how it's done, you know, you well, you might be able to get another job as a director. And that's what Timmy Van Patten did, Thomas Carter did, Kevin Hooks did, you know, myself. So we just... We just got our got our feet wet, and even though I kept acting, you know, uh, it seemed like I was hot forever. So I just I kept doing roles, and and they mainly focused in on doing behind the scenes stuff. Um, you know, later on as times went on, they just fade phased out of um, you know being actors and stuff, and and just became fabulous, fabulous executive producers like uh, Timmy Van Patten. He won all kind of awards for. Um, uh, for Boardwalk now at Soprano, Kevin Hooks, yeah. you know, he's done all kind of TV series for Stephen Bochco. 
and uh, Thomas Carter as well. So those guys really, really got got nice resume. Wow, there's just so much I want to dig into. But now you mentioned uh, a lot of the, the, the young black actors, you know, Kevin Hooks um, and all those cats. So uh, looking at today, 2015, I mean, what grade would you give the state of black Hollywood these days? Um, um, I think it's a B plus. I think um, we have some great actors and some great, um, just some great all um, all around talent. You know, Hollywood is 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 kind of fickle. You know, they pretty much ride on who's hot. You know, that's why I always tip my hat off. Uh, you know, whenever I see Denzel, he just had a phenomenal career. You know, he um, he did Bruce Caltro's series Saint Elsewhere. And and next thing you know, you know, he did movie after movie after movie after movie, and still today he's still standing where doing movies. That's phenomenal because a lot of people, you know, has not had that kind of run. And even though Sam Jackson came on later on in the 80s, he's had a remarkable run. And and I just admire admire those guys and stuff. And I don't even and I can't leave uh, leave out my boy Lawrence Fishburne, who's just phenomenal oh, actor, yeah. and he's had a phenomenal career, and he's a child actor. People don't even realize he did Cornbread Early right. Me and and just and and he's never stopped. He's he's just never stopped. He's on Blackish now, and he's just never ever ever stopped working. And he has a tremendous agent, um, you know, and that helps a lot. And so does Denzel and Sam Jackson. They got a tremendous manager as well. So uh, where those guys and and now what Terrence Howard is doing, you know, has transformed um, um, America along with Lee Daniels and Tarashi and to understanding that the White Shadow was the first black successful TV hour-long dramatic series ever that ever made it in Hollywood, and now I'm proud to say Empire is. You know, they featured African Americans that the show's premise was about African American life, and and what goes on in African American life, and uh, those two shows, and people don't talk about it that much, but there's not been a dramatic show on TV since The White Shadow until Empire came on. They've had a lot of drama, I mean comedies. They have had tons of those, but they've never had right. an hour-long show. They uh, they feel that we're more funny than serious, and and yeah, your right. appearance is is showing them that we can be very, very serious as well. And thanks to Chandra Rhimes, who's putting her print all over female female talent with Carrie Washington and Scandal and Viola Davis and How to Get Away with Murder. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal writer and EP, uh, meaning, meaning exec producer. And, and we have to tip off our hats because of, of those people there are keeping Lee Daniels and Chandra Rhimes has put us on the map big time. And and Hollywood is aware of that Grey's Anatomy, even though my boy James is pretty much the only black on there now, they really featured. But look at all of the other shows and stuff that are now are now featuring two and three and blacks on um, on a TV series now. And today there's more opportunities because back when I started, it was just three channels: ABC, NBC, and CBS. And if you didn't get a series right. on one of those, you weren't working that year. So uh, the talent pool was talent. And talented and it was uh, small. We all knew each other, you know, and uh, we knew if one got one job, the other one would get the other job coming up. And um, you know, and thanks to Norman Lear, he kept a lot of African Americans working in the sitcom realm. So, 
So, but today I think we're doing a lot better. Uh, that's why I gave it a B plus. There's so many opportunities on cable now. You have so many prime time channels now. Fox wasn't around then. You know, uh, there. I mean, the channels is just enormous with uh, television series now. Yeah, and to hear you talk, it sounded like back in the 70s, it seemed like it was more or less the, the one black at a time syndrome. You know, you had maybe one black star, it seemed like, and then, you know, he, he, had, he was in there. In the, the, the well, it sounds like that, hours, but it really but wasn't because Norman Lear had the Jeffersons on, you know, he had good times on, he had what's happening on. So, um you know, I mean, I'm sure uh, Sanford and Son, I mean, it was a lot of African-Americans that, uh, you know, that was working. You know, and, of course, Lawrence and Jacobs became a big star for Cooley Hyde on Welcome Back, Cotter. So you just look across the board, different strokes and stuff. And, I mean, the series was out there. People were working. Blacks were really, 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 really working. Young blacks, you know, they didn't feature too many older blacks and stuff. There. Yeah. You know, except for, you know, to play the mother, we're like in good times and, and the Jeffersons, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but, it, but it was a young, they always liked the youth, you know, the teenagers, um, you know, because that's the viewing audience, 18 to 49 is the is the gauge that they look for. So they pretty much liked the high school high school realm. But And also, remember, we had a lot of African-American films that was coming out around that same time, you know, with Fred Williamson and Jim Brown and Jim Kelly and Pam Greer and Gloria Henry and all those people, you know, Shaft saved, saved Hollywood, you know. So so we had a lot of African-Americans working and, and, um, and getting ready for this period that's going on today. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Botsko, and I believe he was involved in Bay City Blues. Tell me about that one. Yeah, Bay City Blues was a great, great show. And it was about a minor league base, baseball team that starred Michael Norrie, who who was hot off Flashdance. He was a big sex symbol on that movie. So uh, they went after one of the guys from Hill Street Blues and went after me. And um, and he put he put the show together. And I uh, got got the cast together. That's when I worked with Michael T. Williamson, who played Bubba and Forrest Gump again, and then the late Julius Carey, um, who played Shonuff in that Motown movie. And uh, we had a we had a tremendous cast. It was I mean Sharon Stone's debut in there. We just you know it was just uh, Michelle Green from Law and Order. We just had a tremendous tremendous cast. And um, you know, I had to show him I could play baseball, obviously. You know, I was a great baseball player in high school, just like basketball. So I just, you know, I was center fielder and second base. And I remember when Bruce Bruce Paltrow, I mean, uh, Stephen Bochco called me in his office, and he said, well, you know, Michael T. Williamson is not going to be on the show, and I know he's a close friend of yours. If you don't, if you don't move from center field, even I wrote the character for you to play center field, but I need you to play second base because I have to hide him because he cannot – play baseball and he doesn't have an arm like yours or anything so if you're willing to do that michael t will be on the show and i said absolutely absolutely Hmm. and we end up yeah we end up um uh doing a series in which he starred in it it was a remake of the um of uh what what was the name of that movie we did it a few years ago it became a short-lived series i did it out of seattle um 
and and I can't oh the fugitive it was called the fugitive and and I and they wrote me in on that um and it was a great a great show and, and Michael T was in that we get and we had and we got a chance to work together again but but me and my and Michael T and the rest of the cast of of Basie Blues we just had a ball we shot it in Sunland um California they built a diamond from scratch it was a real diamond uh, a baseball diamond, and, and and it was just wonderful. We we shot a lot of graveyard shots and did it, and 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 it was always fun because Stephen Bochco was never he never bothered you. He let people do their job. He delegated very well, and he let the actors be the actors. Yeah, it sounds like fun times. So now yeah. I know you do a lot of producing. We're going to touch on that. So I know you did something behind the scenes with uh, Limitless with uh, Robert De Niro. How'd you get involved in that? Yeah, what I did, uh, Robert De Niro was not involved, but uh, but one of the producers of Limitless and The Fighter, me and him had worked together on on a, quite a few films, and um, you know Jean Claude Lamar, he uh, it was his company. And 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 I just came up with the idea, and that's how I became known as King of Gospel DVD, uh, because we just came up with this concept of of writing and producing and directing in-house our own gospel movies. So I created Pastor Jones, and from there I created Don't Touch If You Ain't Prayed, starring C.C. Penison, and then from there House of Grace, and uh-huh. each of them. And end up having a sequel to it. I didn't write the sequel. I just wrote the initial, initial, uh, initial films, and and they did very well at at, uh, um, at the DVD world. And uh, matter of fact, they did so well that uh, that the theater chain that I'm dealing with now wants wants my directors cut out. So I'm gonna want to get House of Grace out first, and then Don't Touch, and then that one. I still have Marriage Files to come out and. As well, and then I have a horror film that'll be out as well. Um, yeah, but but um, Robert De Niro was not part of it. He was obviously he was in Limitless. Yeah, and, but, yeah but it was it was the producer um, of the films in which I did, and he was my co-writer of one of those films. Man, you're busy. You're busy, Larry. I, I tell you, I tell you. So talk a little bit about um, stage. I know you've done some stage, too. What's some of your more prominent stage roles, man? Um, well, I grew up on the stage, man. To be a great actor, you gotta got to do stage. Uh, my, one of my first stage things was Days of Absence, Pearly Victorious. I did A Raisin in the Sun. Um, later on, of course, I did Piano Lesson, um, River Niger, um, I've I've done and in a lot of independent plays and stuff. I just I just love the stage. The stage is is where you can just rehearse for six seven weeks and just get up there and and do your thing. And, That's right. And it's exhilarating to get out there and and have your moment. And you got your and you got the crowd out there applauding you at the end. And, and you you know and you can't make you can't make a mistake. It's not a take one two or three. You know that's it. You know and it's. And it's just challenging. It keeps your, it keeps your, um, it keeps your chop sharp. It keeps your craft sharp, and and it keeps you ready for TV and film. Yeah, I think it's really the basis and, and the best training. So speaking of training, where did you train? 
How'd you learn your craft? Well, I trained all over the place. You know, I trained at Mafundi Institute when I first got out here. I trained at um, Olive Harvey College. Um, and from there, I got a drama scholarship to go to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois. And if, um, I was named Outstanding Actor on campus there. And then from there, I got a drama scholarship out to Pepperdine out here in 75. So, and I couldn't finish because I got discovered. I, I did a project called Crisis in Sun Valley. And then from there, I did MASH. And, and then next thing I know, my career was taken off. So it it, it it's just fun. Is yes, yeah, it's just an exciting, exciting life, you know, when uh, when you're doing something that you love doing and and um, acting, and it, it was a lot of fun to me. But also putting the movie together is a lot of fun. I like to put it on paper and then put the puzzle together and direct and stuff, and and, and that's fun as well. So now you're behind the camera. What's some of the things you've learned about acting being behind the camera as it pertains to just watching young actors come up and just seeing what they do well and what they don't? Well, you know, a lot of people, they where they take their craft for granted, you know, because mm. there's so many opportunities now where you mm. don't have to, you know, some uh, some people can skate skate by and some people don't, well, don't try hard and focus hard on just really understanding, you know, their craft and 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 just really understanding what it takes to be an actor and be in the moment in each scene that you're doing. And um and you have a lot of egos you deal with as a director. And that's one of the things I noticed, you know, um yeah, I was talking to um I guest starred on Instant Mom playing Shirley Ralph's boyfriend, Roland a few months ago, and first thing I, first thing the um, exec producer and director was telling me about was like um, who the people who he'll never work with again because they where well, their egos out of uh, you know out of whack. So so you have to leave your ego at home and come there ready to work and um, and be dedicated, you know. And um, and one of the great lines in which Marlon Brando said to be a great actor, all you have to do. Is be on time, hit your mark, and know your lines. You know, yep. and and that's about right. And that's about right. You know, if you do those three things, the rest will fall in place for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna dial back a little bit. You mentioned the horror film, horror film. Tell me about that. What's that one on? Yeah, about? yeah. I did a a movie called Sorority Sister Slaughter, in which I hired a. a a director from UCLA, she wrote it and directed it, and I produced it through my company. And it was, you know, it's it, it was a good film. You know, um, I had to re-edit it because her vision and my vision was totally different, and mine is to sell it, you know. And hers was <laughs> just was just to take what she wrote and, and put it on the screen. Well, it didn't transform from the paper to the screen. There were some things missing, and there were some elements missing in which she didn't un- um, understand that a director should know about. And so I had to move some things around and, and, and shoot about, you know, five, ten minutes of footage and just get it right. And so the, so the movie um, is really, really good now. It's really scary. And um, you know, and I and I re-edit the whole thing. 
so it's like it's just, it's like it's one bad dream, but it's based on a true story. All my movies that I've directed, Pastor Jones, House of Grace, Don't Touch You Ain't Prayed, Marriage Vows, all those are based on true stories, and and I think that that you um, you that you as a director and a writer and an actor can be more true to the material if it's based on a true story. And um, I think it sells it, it sells better too, you know. You know, if it's based on a true story. And nowadays, if you notice, some of our greatest movies is based on true stories, or comic books, or it's based on a novel. You know, it's based on something like that. I mean, look at Six, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, uh, look at Avengers, um, Furious Seven. All those, all those great movies that made a billion dollars in a few weeks this year. The greatest box office time and the history of Hollywood. So I think that those kind of movies, um, I, th- I think they hit home and resonate better for everybody. Absolutely. You look at the true crime shows and things like of that nature, and then a lot of your, uh, what was it, uh, Hunger Games and Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, Hunger Games, of- Bat- yeah, Batman, all those things were, uh, there were great yeah. novels and stuff, you know. You know, comic book novels, and now look at them—they're big, big-time films. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So now, you and Glenn Plummer—you did uh, "Go for Broke" too. What was yeah, that? Yeah, we one did "Go about? for Broke" too. Lisa Ray starred in the first one, and I did the second one. And uh, you know, that was a fun movie. It, it, it was a new director. Um, you know, I never worked with him before. And he wasn't a big studio director, but he did a fine job in that movie. And it, and it came out, uh, you know, it did very well. And I had a, I had a, had a fun character uh, to, to sink my teeth into. And, and um, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. Great, great. Okay, so we're coming up on about, I guess, about six minutes left here. I guess we have time to... Uh, Oh, talk a little bit about, and I'm intrigued by this title, I Didn't Lie, I Just Didn't Tell the Truth. Now, you said a lot of these are based on true stories. What was the story behind that one? Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah this one was based based on a, tr- a true story as well, and, and, it, and, it's, and it is, a tr- you know, it is about, um, you know, my character, I play a, a, a big-time lawyer, and and uh, the girl um, who I married to is a younger woman, and she's a kept woman, and she keeps cheating um, on my best friend. So I go ahead and get a divorce. I mean, I apply for a divorce, and I tell her I want a divorce, and she doesn't grant it to me. So I end up, you know, me and the other girl. I think I'm going to be okay because I'm an attorney. I think she'll 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 come around in the long run. So we're planning. I meet this other girl at church, and we're planning our future. And next thing you know. Um, you know, the wedding's getting really, really close, and I still haven't gotten the divorce decree signed yet. So, and she said, well, she's not signing it. So now I have to go back and tell my fiancé that that we can't do the wedding right now because she still hasn't signed it. And she said, why would you lie to me? I said, I didn't lie, baby. I just didn't tell the truth. And 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 it's a great movie. It's got a lot of drama. It's got a lot of heart to it. A lot of musical uh, music to it. It's like it's like Hairspray and Dreamgirls. The, the, the movie's told through song and dance. Talk yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that movie. 
Yeah, man. Talk a yeah. little bit about the uh, distribution of these movies. Yeah, the distribution. You know, at first they went through Maverick Entertainment, Doug Swap's company, out of um, out of out of Miami, Florida. Um, but now, as I said, a lot of these films are going through my uh, director's uh, my new deal uh, theatrically, and I'll um, and I'll be it'll be released through my director's cut. So um, I'll add my personal touch to it because a lot of people don't realize that most films that are that are shot by the director it is not edited totally by the director. You know, the exec producer, the money people who put it up, or the studios who put it up, they have the final say over the final cut. Uh, but the studio, I mean, but the distributor now, my theatrical distributor, they want my personal cut, and uh, meaning the director's cut. And you've seen a lot of these re-releases where like that with the director's cut. Um showing a different version like The Exorcist. Once again, that was a very popular book that became a big, big movie. Um, and and the director went back and he did his director's cut because his original cut was the producer's cut, not his cut. You know, the producer's cut, you know, is the people who run the show and cuts the paycheck, so. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Larry, yeah. we're coming up on about three minutes here. So just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a hot new project you've got coming up and just wrap up with uh, how fans... Yeah, yeah I, have, I have two films. One of them is, is, um, is a great movie, uh, When a Woman's Fed Up. You know, I really, really enjoyed that film. It's with an all-star cast. Um, you know, I had a great ball doing that film. And also, also The Congregation is about to come out with me and Sherry Hadley starring in it, the girl from Coming to America. And, and we just enjoyed that film. I play a pastor in that one. And in When a Woman's Fed Up, I play a, a bonehead um, uh, husband, father, granddad and stuff, you know, you know, who has hypertension, and he tries to be, to be a fixer around the house, and, except I break everything. I don't fix nothing. Everything gets worse. <laughs> So it's a great character, and and uh, and the congregation is a guy where he's a pastor, and he's trying to bring in a younger pastor to run the church, and then he he decides with Sherry Headley's character, uh, his, his fiance, that why don't he just run uh, run the church and let's just get a new guy in, just to just to be under him. So it's all kind of twists and turns to that script and to that story and. And that'll be out later on this year, and that's, it's going to be a great movie. It's, it, uh, Sherry Headley is absolutely fabulous in it, and, and I had um, I have great moments in it and stuff, and um, you know, and and it's really really fun. One of my great work is in this film. That's fantastic. Oh, and uh, how how can uh, fans uh, find out about you and uh, keep up with uh, what you're doing? Yeah, they can um, visit me on Facebook. You know, on Twitter, I'm always posting something. On LinkedIn, they can uh, read all about me and my company and what I got coming up and what I'm doing. I keep everybody. I have a fan page also on Facebook, so they can follow me on there. So there's all kind of ways ways to follow me. And then go and then go on IMDb um, dot com. That's IMDb dot com, and that's where that's a studio search where anytime a studio 
person wants to find find an actor and make sure he's real, they can just go to IMDb and see all his credits and everything. Great. Larry, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. It's just been a, just an action-packed interview. I've just learned so much about you tonight, man. It's uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a man of uh, many, many talents. It's, it's great I to have you I appreciate you, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, God bless you, brother, and uh, have a great night. Thank you. Thank you, man. Okay, man. God bless you, too. All right, right, bye-bye. And let me leave you with this quote from the late James Dean. Being a good actor isn't easy. Being a man is even harder. I want to be both before I'm done. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.